Having to be physically restrained from attacking each other this week. Welcome to Hand Pod. Uh, this week and, and we've been watching a lot of football during the, the midweek rounds all of us and uh, I'm afraid that this may have rubbed off on us somewhat because we're all in a very violent mood this weekend this weekend it's Thursday this week <laughs> um, there has been a, a really lot of uh, if not exactly bloodshed then certainly attempts to shed some blood uh, it's difficult to know exactly which one to start with but I think we should probably go with the one that about five minutes before we started recording, we discovered it led to a match being suspended. San Lorenzo versus... All boys. All boys. Thank you, all boys. Introduce us. Of course. Yes. Thank you, oh, sir. Right. Oh, right. I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm, I'm joined by Seba Garcia. Hola. <coughs> Australian now. Hello. And English now. Evening. And as usual, we're here to give you some uh, idea of, of what's going on, if we can. Or alternatively, just to talk crap for an hour or so. Um, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted by the man sitting to my left. But you're the one who was rude to <laughs> You're quite right, I, I do apologise. <laughs> San Lorenzo the Old Boys has, has been postponed, it was going to be played on Sunday. The reason it's been postponed is that on... Um, wait, was it yesterday? Yesterday, on Wednesday, um, after San Lorenzo's training session, Jonathan Bottinelli, San Lorenzo's centre-back, was walking back towards the changing rooms and was approached by a barra brava who found his way into the training complex and punched in the face um, which might sound slightly amusing especially if you don't like Botinelli very much <laughs> but it certainly is a symptom of something we've all talked about before about barras having too much control over the clubs um, and, and it's also kind of symptomatic of a wider scope of violence this weekend not necessarily off the pitch um, Australian Dan and I were both in the platea and English Dan was in the popular as usual for the racing game yesterday against Lanús in which there were three sendings off and an awful lot of bad blood really the referee did a very poor job of controlling the match um, we'll probably get on to that game in a bit yeah, more detail uh, later but just touch on the Botanelli thing first yeah. so, yeah. I think it was like three or four batters who managed to get into the training complex and the thing was it was a closed training session so that's no press, no, no, not even members are supposed to be allowed in there. Yet, a bunch of Barrow brothers were in there. And I know that since then, the head of security at San Lorenzo has been sacked. Yeah. So obviously there was some kind of arrangement yeah. with him and definitely, the definitely. Yeah, well that's, that's the way the club has to deal with this. Yeah. Uh, have to get to the root. Yeah. <laughs> no, Probably I mean, I, I, I was being a bit sarcastic here because... Find they, somebody to blame. Them. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They found this head of security who, what he did was... Uh, just what it does every day. Yeah. Let the Barra Bravas in because they are friends with the, or they have. Or if not, he gets punched. Yeah. And then, but they, they have, the Barra Bravas obviously, they have tight connections with the board, of the San Lorenzo board. Of course. And it's, it's, 
it's beyond words. I mean, and there was even a, after that there was a fight between Bottinelli and uh, Migliore, yeah. goalkeeper Migliore, who I, uh, apparently there's some tension between them that's been around for a while, and Bottinelli accused him of being too close to the Varas. Uh, the tension also was related to them. Bottinelli was originally named the captain at the start of the season. Yeah. And then it was taken off because he was agitating about uh, late wages and so forth mm. and given to Migliore. Mm. Um, so they had a fight and then at some point uh, Giglotti got punched in the head by Migliore. So good fun yeah. all around at San Lorenzo. Yeah, Migliore, who is an amateur boxer, uh, oh, at least yeah. he practices, yeah, he's, he trains. Giglotti looks like he's he would want to mess with him either. Like, ah. I'd, I'd punch um, Bottinelli, uh, yeah, but Giglotti and Migliore. <laughs> 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 I punch a lot of San Lorenzo. <laughs> if we get if we're on the subject, you know, I maybe this could be a, <laughs> could be a hand up for a special one time. Who we we made up players we'd like to punch. Race. Punch a quarterback player. I don't think I'd punch anybody because I'm far weedier than all of you. <laughs> I might think about punching say Austin Gossa because I suspect I can run away faster than he. <laughs> You'd have to, otherwise he would get. You're probably yeah. you're probably losing a fight with Maxi Morales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry I'm to say, say, I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> one of the reasons I try never to start fights. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. But getting back to that, I think this isn't the first time uh, Bottinelli's had clashes with the Barra. If I remember rightly, it was last year in the class order when, after one of the games, uh, Barra came down to the dressing room, started banging on the door, and I think it was Bottinelli who wanted to come, uh, kind of come out and face him. He's really one of these players who doesn't like what they're doing to it, and I'm guessing that's why he's a target now. Which is very commendable, actually. Which is very commendable, yeah. I don't know whether any of you saw the video that Kaja Shena posted on their website a couple of hours ago. Um, They seem to be linking this Barra Brava attack the other day with something that then came out on YouTube earlier today. Oh, Bottinelli after um, San Lorenzo's last match, which was a 1-0 defeat against Arsenal, being insulted from the platea as he was walking off the pitch, and he looked up towards where very close to where whoever it was was filming this on his mobile phone um, or, or camera or whatever and uh, it was seen pointing at somebody in the stand and going Te pero afuera gordo which basically means I'll be waiting for you outside fatty mm-hmm. um, and Kanchashena seemed to think that this was why he got punched in the face but it was towards the platea rather yeah. than the popular so I don't know how much that's got to do with the barra brava now, now this, the, the consequences for this could be quite uh, Quite um, difficult for San Lorenzo to to face, not only because they are in a compromised uh, situation when it comes to the relegation battle, but because now Botinelli says he's not going to play a game for San Lorenzo. Other players are feeling insecure, and, and, and they don't they don't feel that there are guarantees for them to go to their workplace and and, and do what what they're supposed to do. So I don't know. Uh, whether there will be political consequences for the president Abdul mm-hmm. or not, but it's, it's certainly a situation we had to keep well, an eye. Well, there are presidential elections coming up in San Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. No, that was last. No. You only got elected last year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. sorry. No, there yeah. there will be He's elections. Not a guy around San Lorenzo. There will be elections at Boca, Racing, Racing and yeah. probably a couple of other yeah. clubs, but not San Lorenzo. Not. Independiente, I think. Yeah, Independiente yeah. too. Yeah, and speaking of Independiente, that was something I wanted. I wanted to relate to. Like we had seen, River Plate was probably the best, the, the big, uh, the big team that got uh, controlled by the Barra Bravas before 
everybody else uh, or or the other clubs. Then Independiente follow like yeah. the Barabrava at Independiente. We have discussing this. We have been discussing this. Yeah, we this. talked about it before. Yeah, yeah. they've got an iron grip from the club now. Yeah, they they are uh, controlled by the by the Barabravas in many aspects. Yeah. And now it's San Lorenzo, which I didn't expect, but. I think the Barabras are using uh, the bad results as an excuse yeah. to increase their power. And okay. that is when you think, okay, we, we all know Barabras are not fans of the club. But this is kind of the ultimate spin in your face, like saying, okay, we, not only we're not fans of the club, we benefit when the club does yeah. badly. So yeah. we, are, we are enhancing our position of power uh, within the club when, when, the, when things go wrong on the pitch yeah on the pitch guys um, Racing versus Lanos we, we always end up talking about Racing inevitably um, plenty, three of the three of the there and the one who wasn't is a Racing fan we were having a little bit of an argument last night <laughs> today on via the, uh, uh, pre-podcasting emails about uh, <laughs> how deserved some of the the red cards were and uh, how much of a diver Theo Gutierrez is I at least. So what what happened was that uh, Racing put in a, a very typical Racing performance in many ways, um, in failing to beat a nine-man team after Lanús had two men sent off. Uh, Racing did themselves have a have a man sent off. Lanús took the lead. How far into it was it? About half an hour. Ten minutes. Half, uh, <laughs> no, no. Ten minutes into the game. Yeah. No, okay. Fairly yeah. early on then. Um, <laughs> in the first half. Penalty from Diego Valeri after. Um, uh, perhaps a slightly harshly awarded one yeah. after Pelletieri had handled without really having too much say in the matter in his own box. Yeah, that's true. Um, and Racing then got the equaliser in the the second half. Uh, I can't remember who scored it. Thank you, guys. Um, and in the meantime, there was a lot of uh, violence, most of it coming from one particular man playing for Lanús. Who uh, anybody who's watched Serie A in the last decade and a bit won't be too surprised to hear that it's him it was the Italian yes the, the Italian 100% Italian World Cup winner Mauro Camoranesi uh, one of the most patriotic Italians so uh, was first of all sent off uh, I'm not actually sure whether it was really a sending off offence it was a kind of well no he'd already been yeah. red carded but, because he, he got red carded for a sort of what a trip more than anything it looked like no there was like no, a little no, headbutt no. and there was a the stamp it was really bad yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he was already but he then kicked by the time he kicked the guy in the face he'd already been sent off yeah yeah, yeah. it was a uh, it was a foul by Valeri uh, that deserved a yellow card the ball continued towards Toranzo and Camoranesi fouled Toranzo virtually at the same time the referee was blowing for the previous foul so the referee goes shows a yellow card to Valeri and in the meantime Toranzo and Camoranesi confront each other and they are head to head and then the animal kingdom come what? Locking home Rutting yeah we need to Locking horns yeah I think Rutting's another they were face to face they were talking arguing and, and, and then Camoranesi moves the head towards Toranzo slightly, he, he hits him mm. and then of course the exaggeration we see from every pre- from every player in, in Argentina and when he was on the floor, Delfino the referee showed the red card to Camoranesi and then he reacted by going after Toranzo who was, all, uh, who was still lying on the ground and he stamped his, his, 
his right uh, shoe on his face, and that was outrageous. That was Cameroonese, not the referee. Yeah. He reacted. In that the, way. the second face stamp as well of, of the week I've just remembered because there was oh, one yeah. in one of Monday's matches as well. Yeah, uh, no, not as deliberate as this. Was, no, it was, was, was Newell's and old boys, uh, yeah, sort of from old yeah. boys. Yeah, the, the the guy from Newell's he fell over and, and at the same time the the, the, the old boys players the, the old boys player Soto was running towards uh, trying to get the ball and instead of stepping on the grass he <laughs> stepped on yeah. on this guy's face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he needed stitches. stitches yeah. but gave an interview after the game saying, you know, he's apologised, but he could have easily just not done it in the first place. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and then we had another yeah. sending off with... That, well, Taranzo also got sent off for right. a little exchange, which looked very harsh from where I was, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, and the referee's uh, signal, like, he, he showed the red card to Taranzo and said something like, or, or indicated with his hands, as if he was red carding Taranzo because he... He uh, spoke too much, or he said something. On the floor, I think, Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he said something like, "You deserve that kick, that kick to the face because you were naughty. Yeah. You were saying bad things to this uh, exemplary." Or, so uh, you think you think we'll see another Racing referee taken out of circulation now? Probably the weekend. Yeah. yeah, sure. It seems to happen a lot. And there was a later red card for Carlos Izquierdos, uh, the very uh, appropriately named left back, really. His his surname translates into English as lefts <coughs> with a Z on the end. Um, Izquierdos, who I still maintain, albeit I've not seen a replay, uh, <laughs> didn't really make any contact. No, I have seen a replay now, and it, it, it it's is. terrible. Like, basically, the tail got him sent off because yeah. after Rusting's goal, <laughs> these guys are going to argue with me. <laughs> after after <laughs> Rusting's goal. Teo ran up to the Racing goalkeeper and sort of sorry to the Lanús goalkeeper and, and, shot and ruffled his hair kind of thing in a, in a way to really stir him up. The, goal, uh, the, the referee gave him a yellow for that as he's running away and then one of the Lanús players sort of tried to trip him from behind and perhaps made contact. He ran a few more steps and then sort of tossed himself on the ground which was a, the, the red card for the Izquierdos. Um, so that was two red cards for Lanús. With 20 minutes to go before the end of, yeah. of the game, and, and then to be honest, desperate. No, but to be honest, I think it was one of the best games Racing played in the in the season, which says a lot about Racing yeah. and the way Certainly one of the Racing was showing really more attacking. Yeah. Gen, but they kind of had to really. Giovanni Moreno hit the post twice, yeah. and then Marchesin yeah. had a series of, yeah. of impressive saves as well. I think the offside, which I heard, I don't think I've seen the replay, but uh, Theo came through and. It was kind of a very, very marginal offside. There were two. There, there was yeah. one where he he really was a mile offside. Like I was what from the stand when yeah. the ball was played. I, I kind of thought to myself, "Eyes off!" and didn't even bother getting up. But everybody else yeah. jumped up. But yeah, there was another one a couple of minutes later, which was really hmm. kind of verging on dead level. Uh, yeah. It was a very close one. But I, I just thought Racing lacked patience. Yeah, we were, we're, we're up. They were getting to the point in the last ten minutes, especially where. They'd get a corner or a free kick, and Lanus would have every single one of their players, you know, goal side of the penalty spot because they couldn't afford to leave anybody out the pitch. Lanus have no out ball. When it gets cleared away, it goes back to a Racing player. And rather than start to pass it around and try to have enough space, Racing were just pumping it straight back into the box when Lanus already had the box crowded. No, I agree, and, and that, that, the field is so huge there at, at Racing, and it was nine versus, 
well, outfield players, it was what, eight versus nine. And there was so much space on the field. You just felt if they just put, passed it side to side, looked for gaps, they would have eventually found it. But they just, as you said, early balls or trying to play a through ball from deep. Yeah, it was a lot of desperation. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I think they could have done it a lot better. And I would blame Simeone for that. Yeah, and it's certainly the fans did afterwards because I was actually on the side, in, still in the Popular, but instead of behind the goal, we'd gone around the side just behind the home dugout. And as Simeone was walking off, like the team got clapped because I don't know, right? But as Simeone was coming off, like people kind of running up and just absolutely abusing him, which I don't think I've ever seen for an unbeaten manager before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was there reasons for this, this change in positioning in, in the Popolada? Uh, no, we just came late, you know, there was a lot of um, wine being drunk before we got there about <laughs> 10 minutes before kickoff, and instead of trying to beat the masses of people behind the goal, it was like, so, you know, go a bit, go a bit more um, peaceful for this match, have a bit of a change of perspective. It was interesting, you yeah, know. You're growing up. Yeah, yeah, change is as good as a rest. Yeah, you didn't see how much wine I drank yesterday, so <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't jump to any conclusions. So then Simeone was abusing, uh, it was funny that he was abusing Cameronese as he came off, saying, is that what you learn in Europe, sort of thing. And Cameronese apparently unleashed a tirade of offensive words back at, back at uh, Simeone. When well, he used Simeone, very similar words were being said. To Simeone from the wrestling. Yeah, right. You know, I need to hear yeah, anymore. Start playing attacking football. And I did like a, a match scene quote after the game where, where he said uh, basically uh, there's intelligent players and there's dumbass players, is how I'll translate. Yeah. And this, this comes from it, from the keeper who says Camaranesi was uh, wrongly shown the red card. Yeah, who's well, the dumbass? Teo Gutierrez is a dumbass player. And yeah. Obviously, he was involved in that whole. Which thing. I think many of us would argue with. <laughs> I think I mentioned this before. I really love uh, Teo Gutierrez as a striker, but I think he's a dubious character, uh, to yeah. say the least. I mean, he's something that is unbearable. I mean, it's it's just impossible to to stand from mm-hmm. an opposition point of view. And mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes I, I get frustrated. Striker, yeah. yeah, I want him to score. I want him to do well and his team. Yeah. But I, I have a hard time really wishing him well. It's not the same with Gio Moreno. I, no. I, I want Gio Moreno to to have the best game. Fair, Gio had a very frustrating game yesterday. Like he had two brilliant free kicks, which hit the hit the woodwork. But apart from that, you know, yeah. Well, he had a lot of passes that went. Yeah. He was yeah, involved in the goal. Yeah. I, he's not the same player he was not yet, no. before Definitely he not. got injured, but he's he's obviously he's got he's a class of all. He was getting caught on the ball a lot. He, yeah. he really lost a lot of possession. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's a compliment to Lanús because they did a very good job, especially when they had 11 or 10 men kind of pressing and mm. making sure Gio had a nice space. Mm. Yeah. So the upshot of that basically is a racing fall. I think they're still in third, but they're now eight points behind Boca, who played fantastically on Tuesday it was yeah, considering they were you know their first their first choice attack Riquelme Svitanic and Piatri were all injured and, and the guys who replaced them were excellent yes, all three of them yeah, yeah. which was uh, Pochi Chavez Mauchi and Blandi who scored the two goals in a 2-0 victory over Colón yeah we, I think we we a few of us mentioned last week that we thought Cologne would have a good chance in that match, but yeah, Boca were yeah, really good again. Yeah. I didn't see much of it, but and I, I mentioned last week that I thought that Boca had the strength and depth in their forward line oh. to keep pushing. Yeah. I just like to point that out. <laughs> and I tipped them to be champions right before the season started. So, and I'd also like to just say one last thing on the racing game, which is that when Diego Simeone is accusing you of being a dirty footballer, <laughs> yeah. you're in there's a chance he may have gone too far. <laughs> um, 
Okay. And what, what is the what is the suspension that you guys expect for for Camoranesi? Because uh, it's three games, I think. It's no, it's three, three games, three games for kicking a player that was yeah. lying down on the floor. Being realistic in Argentina, I can't see any more than three. Probably no, that's not. the highest it's going to be. Uh, uh, it should be more, yeah. And bearing in mind that the like it's a one game automatically for the red card and only one game. Yeah, nearly every time. Occasionally, you'll get a player suspended for two if it's a particularly bad foul, which is. The foul he actually got red carded for was, you know, mm. wasn't anything particularly vicious. Uh, maybe three or four, but nowhere near as bad as it we'll should see, be. Interesting yeah. to see, yeah. I, I agree with it, yeah, with you guys, it'll be three or four, but it probably deserves to be a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also at, I went to Vélez Estudiantes the day before that one. Yep. Um, what are you, Savela? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Scouting the players, <laughs> keeping... Keeping my fans uh, updated yeah. what's happening. Are you scouting for Melbourne Victory? <laughs> Melbourne 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 I, can't, I can't tell you that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, as we briefly mentioned last week, that's an interesting game in that the two best sides in the last few years uh, who have both fallen from grace a little bit. But Velas um, are actually roaring back up the table. They're, they're not far. They're sort of. Well, they are on the same points as Racing, but the, the right. form is, is completely opposed yeah. Yeah. to um, that of Racing. So, and they won one 0 It wasn't the best game, but it was it was a pretty nice goal from uh, David Ramirez. David Ramirez. Yeah. Um, that means as well that Estudiantes are rock bottom. Yeah. And Russo somehow is holding on because they've got the money to sack him. They're, level, they're ahead of about 15 or some goal difference. Oh, well, so right. they have, you see, have even looked slightly better than the way they started the season lately, but yeah, well, it's a little bit better. Uh, so, yeah. And the sandwich between Velez uh, Racing and the league leaders, Boca, are in second place. Atletico Rafaela, who played Boca this weekend, and really reinforces what I said last week about Racing having drawn too many matches to be further up the table because. <laughs> Rafaela have, have won seven compared with Racing's four and have drawn one compared with Racing's eight. So despite yeah. the fact that Racing are unbeaten, Rafaela have lost four matches. Rafaela two points better off. Um, and the best attack in the league as well, 19 goals from 12 matches. Oh, the best is Although one of the worst defences. Oh, you're yeah, quite right, sorry. Yeah. The best, but they're, they're second yeah. to the Cruz. And yeah, Rafaela, they, uh, they, they, they won comfortably. Uh, this round was it 3-1 three, three, against Argentinos yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's always a case of uh, everybody uh, waiting just to see when are they going to yeah, collapse season, right? <laughs> and they're, they're season right up there and now they play Boca uh, with a win huge, huge match yeah. Yeah, well the win will take them to within three points and everything to play for and Boca then have to play Vélez and Racing so they have to play the three teams yeah. that are chasing well not, I wouldn't say it's chasing it's chasing it's yeah. 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 behind yeah. it's kind of a chase like you see in the old style westerns where you've got the hero and just a track way across the desert somewhere on the horizon you see some dust and you wonder whether he's in any danger or not you know he's going to get away just never possibly put it that way. No, <laughs> he's an artist of words. Yeah, no, no, I've, I've been reading Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy, and that's put certain images into my head. Oh, really? I yeah. mean, but I meant uh, not even in Spanish could I could yeah. have done it. So. <laughs> Felicitaciones. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, as uh, I guess most neutrals will be really hoping Rafael managed to beat Boca in the, in the game this weekend. But it's certainly all of us are. I think we all are, yeah, just, even just to make the, the title more interesting. But I, 
as we were saying just before we came on, I really doubt that's going to happen. No, it's hard to see Boca letting it slip from here. I mean, they've gone 21 matches unbeaten now, I think, if you include last season. And they just haven't looked like losing their defence since um, Flacos Gavi came in. He's 38, but he's doing like a beautiful job marshalling that defence. And they just look, yeah, just look so strong at the back. And they've also shown that they've got the quality up front, even with injuries. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't, I can't see anyone catching Boca from this point with what we got, seven games left? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seven, yeah. Especially not with, um, dare I say it. Pablo Lunanti refereeing at the weekend. Right. He seems to have a little bit of a far bit from me suggests that there's an Argentine referee who's not completely competent. <laughs> but Lunanti's matches nearly always seem to favour the side from Buenos Aires, whenever I've seen him referee yeah. that those I think he's like Apple's man. Yeah. This is just the when type of game that they put him in, in charge of it. He's like when they need us well, if Apple would prefer a certain result, I think uh, Lunati is usually the man to, to take those matches. <laughs> Yeah, and another thing we, that we should start keeping an eye on is the qualification for Copa uh, Libertadores next season. We already know two of the qualifiers, of course. Uh, Boca are virtually going to return the to the Copa Libertadores. Yeah, yeah. And Arsenal are in there now as well. Yeah, Arsenal because they were the best placed team in the Copa Sudamericana. That is something like <laughs> awarding. <laughs> that is something like, for example, let's put it this way: the, the English FA awarding. A Champions League spot for next season to the Thank English you. side that does better in the, in Europa, the League. Europa League. I mean, that's that's. I know the fair play uh, rule that they have there that the, 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 the team with less yellow cards and, and red cards is awarded a place in Europe is ridiculous or could be considered as something not exactly rewarding to to to. to I mean, the points a club makes. I mean, this is where we begin to discuss perhaps the cultural divide here, because you could never imagine an English person saying something like that, Seba. It's uh, something that only dirty Latinos. (laughs) (laughs) No, my my game is for play too. (laughs) But (laughs) no, I mean, uh, qualification to continental cups has always been decided by points gathered. Through the, through the season, and that is not the case. And it's not the case with Arsenal. They're they're near mid table in the real table that gives you qualification for Copa Libertadores. But instead, they are already through. Yeah. But it has to be said that you say they're near mid table. But in fact, Independiente are fifth in this Copa Libertadores table, and Arsenal are only two points behind them. There's, it's really tightly congested in those kind of positions. Yeah, and then you've both on 43, Olimpo, Tigre both on 42, Arsenal on 41, yes. who were in 5th, 6th, 7th. Basically, it's, it's the annual table considering Clausura 2011 and this Apertura. So it's the annual table, and the two champions qualified automatically together with the best placed team in the, in the Copa Sudamericana, and the three best teams from this annual table. At the moment, uh, Vélez, already qualified, is top of that table. Mm. Boca is second on that table, and even if they don't win the, the, the league, they are going to get yeah. through on points. Mm-hmm. And then there's Lanús, Guadalajara Cruz, Independiente, Racing, and a bit down, well, Olimpo and, Oli- uh, and Tigre, one point behind Independiente and Racing. And it's going to be interesting because... Uh, Obviously, the two big rivals from Avellaneda are fighting for a place. And last season, Independiente already took 
the, these last Copa, uh, Copa Libertadores qualification spot from Racing's hands, virtually from Racing's hands, by winning the Copa Sudamericana, which is slightly different than... Yeah. So it looks like I, I don't Racing know. again are going to be edged out by one of their neighbours due to their Sudamericana performance. Yeah, <laughs> Unbelievable. As it stands, and of course, before anybody writes in and asks us um, whether you're misunderstanding or anything, it is... Of course, unfair this uh, system on on the promoted clubs because Rafaela Belgrano and Jan San Martin have played twelve matches in the Primera this year, and everybody else has played thirty-one. So, of course, none of those sides, regardless of how well Rafaela and Belgrano in particular are doing this season, uh, anywhere near the running for a Copa Libertadores. And they also won't be able to um, enter the Sudamericana because that's been decided this year as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, no, that's quite right. Obviously, if if Rafaela were to get an amazing win against Boca and, and end up going on to win the title, they would qualify yeah. for the Libertadores, but obviously uh, it probably ain't going to happen, unfortunately. Um, looking at this table, you understand how badly News Old Boys are doing and how compromised they're going to be next season, because they are on 27 points after 31 matches, and Rafaela, after only 12 matches, no, are five points goal. behind. Five yeah. points behind. And that's... that's uh, so yeah, that goes a long way. Game mm-hmm. oh, it's terrible. It's terrible, terrible. Yeah. This Libertadores qualification table is actually going to be available to look at on my blog. Oh, right. um, oh, nice. By some tonight. I, I'm quite bad at updating them, but it is possible to see it, an older version of it if you have a look on there now, on the tables page. I don't know whether any of you also put them up on your websites. No, no. If, if you want to see the Primera, the relegation table, or the South American Cup qualification tables, you can see them on, on Astro Gossiempre. Um, and yeah, yeah be- before we move on to the other, uh, to Copa Argentina and stuff, just a quick mention on Walter Perazzo's team at the Panam Games. Uh, yeah. They're, uh, yeah, it's a victory we can celebrate, by the way, because they're not an AFA team. Uh-huh. Since the Pan American Games aren't a, a FIFA-approved yeah. event, they don't have the AFA logo on their on their shirts. Or anything. Uh, no, because they represent the Olympi- the yeah, Argentine the Olympic Committee, exactly. which is actually a very well-run entity. Are you implying that the AFA's not? No, I'm not implying. I'm saying it. <laughs> well, tell us what they what they did. Well, they beat they beat Uruguay in the semi-finals. Now they're going to play Mexico in the gold medal match. Yeah. Um, Panam Games, yeah, Panamican Games. Games, and it's it's an exceptional campaign across all sports for Argentina. Already doubling, doubling the the, the, the amount of medals won uh, four years ago in Rio. Fifth in the medal table, is it? It's uh, sixth, uh, yeah. one medal behind Colombia uh, as, as we speak. Yeah. This is probably going well off track, but I always wondered why Argentina is so bad at um, those kind of sports, athletics. Well, the, we we were bad. Uh, the last 20, 30 years because basically investment from go- from the government well, stopped. Other South American countries do better than Argentina. Because they have better programs and, and they, well, until very recently, athletes from any sports that, are, that is not football were were left uh, alone and they had to go abroad, try to find sponsors. The rich guy who was always in the yachting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And yeah, it, basically every medal that's, that, that has been won since the 50s until these days in, in Olympics and Pan Am Games too, uh, has been just down to to the athlete's talent and that's it. But now there is a, there is a project that is called Enard and with every bill you get from your mobile phone, uh, 1% is going to this Enard and that 
enables the, 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 the athletes to um, to actually be able to live from from being an athlete and that is a result that we are seeing now and uh, it's clearly uh, already doubled in the numbers of medals we got four years ago in Rio and still more medals to, to come with the hockey teams in both men's and women's in the final I'm and the football team spending less on my mobile phone don't worry swimming <laughs> we, we're always we're always bad at swimming and that's the only sport you're good at no? Uh-huh. Oh! <laughs> how many goals in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> we're done. it's when you join the four nations rugby tournament yeah, yeah that you need to start well really. <laughs> but I, I wanted to really quickly actually I was thinking yesterday that I wanted to ask you Seba because um, we know that you know about the Pan American Games you worked on them uh, the last time round in, mm. in Rio um, how much of a big deal they are it's not, not to do with football of course but for instance in the European Athletic Championships which is what this is the equivalent to there's no football mm. tournament or anything. I mean how, how much uh, there isn't there isn't an, uh, an, an equivalent in Europe yet there, there but athletics it's, it's just, it's just athletics yeah, it's yeah, not, it's it doesn't involve it's not a multi multi sports yeah, it's yeah. just athletics the class one will be say the Asian games and the Commonwealth games exactly, yeah. exactly. And, then, and now there are talks about a European games in the future and Ireland probably is going to be the first uh, host, yeah. But how many people, particularly here in Argentina, really sort of give a toss about what's going on at the Panamanian Well, to, to make an example, just one example, when the humble, the humble team of Argentina play Brazil in the final, at the same time Independiente were playing Banfield. It's one of the, the big five teams, and it's Primera División, and it's free to air TV, and yet the humble final... It had more viewers. Well, it, was it was on cable TV and had more viewers than than Independiente and Banfield. It's Argentines. We love watching our sports and every everything that has an Argentine athlete on. We are immediately hooked and and we become we become experts overnight. If they're good at it. Yeah, if they're good at it. Yeah. So, so having been watching uh, on a delay last weekend the World Championship final, I have to ask whether there's a Pan American Games polo tournament. No, there isn't. There isn't. <laughs> so not been a guarantee. No, gold, uh, silver, and bronze for Argentina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's why we haven't won a gold, gold medals at the Olympics for a long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> before before Athens 2004. Uh, um, but yeah, it's 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 getting a lot of coverage, and 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 obviously once the event ends on Sunday. Uh, Nobody will care about rowing anymore, <laughs> except the people who practice. Yeah. And it's, it's it's natural, I think. It's the same that happens with with the Olympics. Olympics that yeah. People care about gymnastics only once in four years in America, and it's the same for. for sure. So for around the, the time that, that probably around the time I upload this podcast on Friday evening. Uh, Buenos Aires will be grinding to a halt to see how the under-23s get on against Mexico in the, in the final. The hosts, yeah. in fact, because it's being yeah, held yeah. in Guadalajara this year, which we've not mentioned. Yeah, the stadium's going to be packed. It's going to be a big deal for Mexico. They, they 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 like to think there is a big rivalry between them and us, and this is a good opportunity for, for Mexico to, to get revenge, some sort of revenge, from Argentina's recent... Uh, wins uh, against El Tri. Um, it's a shame it's not being held in Mexico City, so it could have been in the Azteca. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a, this huge, uh, amazing yeah, well, stadium, like the Omni Life Stadium, Chivas. Well, just one thing that I saw from this 
because I haven't been watching the games, the, the, Argentine, the Argentina games, except the first one in the first round against Brazil. Argentina were made to play in the same group with Brazil, and Mexico had the easier route oh. to, towards the medal rounds. <laughs> but anyway, it ended 1 all, and Sergio Araujo scored a great goal, and then moments after, he elbowed one of the Brazil defenders and got a red card suspension for two games. He, I mean, and, and I got a bit of a... I, I, I get angry at... Uh, Araujo. <laughs> and, and players that are... that don't use their brains when they when they play. And I got a bit of a... a couple of messages in, on Twitter, like, what are you saying? He's going to prove you wrong. I mean... I couldn't. I can't believe how Araujo is being linked with Barcelona. It's, it's so the anti-Barcelona yeah. kind of player. Every time we talk about him, we, we say he's, he's obviously got a bit of talent, but he's just nothing between his head. He's not the brightest. Nothing between the balls. In terms of strikers from Argentina <coughs> linked to Barcelona, he's certainly not Maxi Lopez. <laughs> on which note, I'm going to put the microphone down for a minute so that we can recharge our glasses and I'll play some music, and then we'll get back and we'll talk about. Just briefly about the draw for the Copa Argentina, which we've had a couple of questions, or just sort of people, not really questions about it, but people asking when we're going to mention it. Uh, when the draw's made, it was made before we started recording, so don't go away. We've got the Copa Argentina and the national side to talk very briefly about both of them. We're going to start off by talking about the, the 32 birds of the final. Uh, that's almost a good translation for the... the thir- what did I call them last week? The 132ths of final. Um, the round of 64. Thank you, Seba. That's, that's the slightly more sensible way of putting it. Uh, but we don't like to be sensible on that. Part. They have been drawn today. Um, the AFA... Surprisingly, I think for many people have been lying about the format of the competition. They told us it was going to be like the King's Cup in Spain. Uh, the King's Cup in Spain does not, as far as I'm aware, have <laughs> four groups of matches that are going to be played in four different cities around the country. They just play home and away, um, as, as it should be in a knockout competition. Mm. But the the last 64 and also the last 32, I think you. Every round from here to the final. The final is going to every be played. Every single one. Are going to be played in. Uh, one of four places which are Salta, La Plata, San Juan and Catamarca um, which obviously all are cities in Argentina that are not Rosario or Buenos Aires the, the main places and as such the AFA are federalising taking the tournament around the country they're doing so in, you know, I, I would have thought that making sure that all of the big clubs play away from home in this round say, and then having the matches in each side's home stadium would be a better way of doing it because, for example, um, just looking there, you've you've got Atlético Policial de Catamarca having to go to San Juan to play against Instituto, even though there are matches being held in Catamarca. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got signs from what Patagonia going to to Catamarca or San Juan to to play their matches. It's completely ridiculous, yeah, and, and you've got the the headline tie of this round, which is. Uh, 
Ariel Ortega's Defensores de Belgrano, as I think we're legally obliged to refer to them when we mention them this season, versus River Plate. Uh, two clubs whose stadiums are four blocks apart and are going to be travelling to San Juan, which is oh, what, a thousand kilometres yeah. thousand kilometers from, from the capital, um, to I play. Remember, yeah. and, and, and officially, oh, sorry, actually, officially Belgrano are the away side, so you know, maybe it wouldn't have been a, a completely <coughs> packed stadium for them, but. Ridiculous situation. Either, so. yeah. I think the most ridiculous one for me, if we got to the top, is uh, was, uh, Rosario Central against uh, Guillermo Brown. And mm. um, Guillermo Brown are the team that play in Patagonia. And they've got a trip up to Salta, yeah. which has got to be 3,000 kilometres like, yeah. easily. So I, don't, I think even if they were playing in the home ground, they'd struggle to get that many fans down. So I mm-hmm. think we can probably say they won't have much of a, uh, an away yeah. following up yeah. in Salta. Absolutely. On Absolutely. as well against Central Norte, that's almost as far from Bahia Blanca. Yeah. Central Norte play in, uh, mm. in somewhere as well. And yeah, the, the, one other mind. thing about one other thing about this uh, format is that it's going to be played uh, during four weeks, mm. and for each of these venues, of these venues, it's going to be a double header. I mean, if they play on a Tuesday in Salta, then it's probably going to be Vélez against Racing de Trelew another club from the south, from the Patagonia, followed by Rosario Central and Guillermo Brown. We don't know that uh, those mm. details yet, mm. but it's going to be a double header, so there's going to be four sets of supporters. Mm. Sometimes you get some uh, classicos such as Atlanta, Old Boys, and I hope they don't have, they don't have them playing Atlanta and Old Boys the, on the same day Chacarita. as Chacarita <laughs> in San Juan, in the same city. Th- those are the things that you look... <laughs> You look into it, yeah. and then for so those three in the same in the yeah. same city for one day is yeah. Well, in the same stadium, in the same stadium. stadium. <laughs> there. I think <laughs> it's outside <laughs> the city. They don't have to worry. Yeah. About. For those who are new to Argentine football, Atlanta, All Boys, and Chacarita yeah. are well-followed teams in in the city of Buenos Aires, and and they have been sharing the lower leagues for a long, long time. And there's a lot of ill feeling between yeah. the three sets of fans and uh, also clubs. Uh, 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 as we, I think, once upon a time discussed way back on the Enganche podcast when that was going server with John, um, Chacarita's fans are complete and total bastards as well, which, which isn't going to help matters anyway. They they don't really have one big rivalry, they just hate everybody <laughs> yeah. and they're quite happy to try and kick the shit out of you, whoever you support. Um, yeah, true. In, in, in spite of this this organisation, there are some really tasty ties. To the oh, there's great ties, it's just the fact that... To the extent no that it's fairly transparent that some of these have not been drawn at random. I mean... Everybody before the, the draw was talking about, oh, Ortega could end up playing River, yeah. and surprise, surprise, he has. Yeah. One or two of the others look. I mean, El Porvenir versus Racing. Yeah, that's on a personal Frankly, suggests to me yeah. that the AFA have looked into Seven Garcia's biography, yeah. seen that he was born next to El Porvenir Stadium. They're also obviously um, Hand of Pod's uh, listeners because they've drawn Julio Grandona's team, Arsenal de Sarandi, uh, playing La Madrid, who are. Hand Pod's Norwegian listeners side yeah. um, so that's Arsenal the the small club really because La Madrid have a, a fan in Norway <laughs> which Arsenal <laughs> very we, should, we should all make a point towards that one and, and give, a, give a report of that assuming it's televised yeah. wow. <laughs> are these all going to be televised they're, they're going to be televised all of them yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's my, my guess my Hand Pod will very, very much be supporting La Madrid and all. Yeah. another important uh, thing to, to point out here is that uh, Deportivo Riestra, the only side from the Primera D, which is the fifth tier of Argentine football, they're going to play in San Juan against Quilmes. They didn't get, they didn't exactly get a, a opposition from the first division, but Quilmes were recently there. They're, they're, they're a side that should beat 
uh, Riestra without, mm. without a problem. Yeah. But, I don't know, I like Cinderella stories and this could be the first Cinderella story. They, they are already a Cinderella story uh, by reaching this stage yeah. and surprising everyone. But what if they make it one more step uh, down the road? I think it's slightly unfair that Racing have been allowed to enter two sites. Because <laughs> they're also playing against Vélez. <laughs> no, there are so, more than two sides. Yeah, yeah, Racing three. de la Barria yeah, there's another one. Yeah, sorry. In, in fact, I've, I've just realised... And realized as well, I've got quite a few sides. Yeah. The, the Racing side who are playing Vélez are Racing de Trelew. Um, and that's probably the, the longest trip that any of the sides have got to make because Trello is way down in Patagonia. It's pretty and they've yeah, got same as Guillermo down, basically. That's, yeah. um, mm. that's at least the same distance, yeah, as, as Guillermo around the Puerto Madryn. That's for, a for, big ones. for all the listeners that are curious about the Welsh community yeah, in, in Argentina, they, they are from a Welsh yeah. town down the south. I, I got asked the, the other day whether there really was a Welsh speaking area of Argentina or whether it was just a myth. It is true. It is true. Um, yeah, but it's not as massive as everyone will, will think. Yeah. Uh, it's not like uh, Welsh is a second is a, is a second official language of Argentina or even the Patagonia. It's not like that. But it's 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 a, a couple close, of villages where they were yeah. concentrated. Yeah, it's yeah. a close community where they have kindergartens where yeah. they speak Welsh and you 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 walk along. For example, I've been there to a place called Gaiman and um, lots of uh, shops with the. Uh, yeah. Everything written in, in Welsh, uh, tea houses. It's, it's, it's an amazing place. Yeah. And the uh, Racing and Trello play uh, Welsh type football. Or? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see that that Ryan, they have a Ryan Giggs oh, what, 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 yeah. Gaelic. We've also got Independiente, the, the side Seba hates more than any other, versus Colegiales. I think I hate Chelsea more. That's probably fair. Sacachispas, one of the sites we picked out uh, last week, the, 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 the spark plug. The um, spark generator. The spark generators. Thank yeah. you, yeah. Uh, playing Belgrano. Mm-hmm. Any other tasty ties? Well, really I. I Vicia Dalmine in San Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Uh, Boca, people are bound to ask us about Boca. Boca Juniors are playing Santa against Santa Marina, who are from somewhere near Madrid. Is it? Mm. Is it somewhere in Buenos Aires province? Is it Tandil? Just move up. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we looked it up last week and it's Tandil. And if they win, which is going to be really tough. Now. Yeah. Rafaela. Yeah, yeah. We've also got both La Plata teams who somehow managed to swing a home a home match. I noticed that. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. Estudiantes are away in the Ciudad de Unico de la Plata against. <laughs> and Gimnasia uh, are also a way to Desamparados yeah. I don't think you should you should consider any of these teams being away or at no. home no, well it was it? and in job. this case it's more yeah no, it's more a home game for those yeah. Gimnasia and Estudiantes and the curious thing is uh, if they win Boca could play Boca Unidos we have said this before yeah. Boca could play Boca Unidos in the next round if they both advance Excursionistas, excursionistas against Huracán is another uh, interesting uh, tie, especially for the Hausmann, Hauseman family, because uh, René, the, uh, the World Cup champion in Serie <coughs> with Argentina, fantastic winger, uh, always playing with his with his socks down. He is a fan of excursionistas and is a legend of Huracán. So it's, uh, I, 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 guess, I guess his, his heart is going to be torn up and there's going to be stories about him going to the ground right. to watch this, this mm-hmm. game I'm sure of it I'm sure of it 
So we're going to ask uh, Mystic Dan to do predictions for every one of these games. Yeah, I think my powers extend to the, the copper, actually. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to watch. Maybe when we get down to the quarterfinal or something, we might be able to talk yeah, into it when they're on 32 matches. Yeah. Um, we've also had, uh, shortly before we started recording, the other thing that was announced on via the AFA website, which we do have here, yes, there is. Um, is the list of foreign-based players who are going to be taking part for Argentina in the next round of World Cup qualifiers, the doubleheader, at home against Bolivia, which initially was going to be held in Cordoba and then at the last minute was announced for Buenos Aires again at Alejandro Sabella's request. He wanted to be able to not have to travel all the way back to Buenos Aires from Cordoba before taking a flight to Colombia, where at 4pm in Barranquilla... <laughs> Uh, Town. Argentina Town. will have to to visit Colombia. Colombia evidently saw how Argentina performed in similar conditions against Venezuela and thought they'd ramp it up a notch by having it in the sunlight. Um, the players here are essentially the same players um, who featured in the last round of qualifiers, with the exception of Pablo Guinassu, who I don't think was in that squad, but is in this Fernando, Fernando Gallo makes the return. He's, He's the first right, time so. oh, actually, yeah. and Luciano Monson Luciano has been in the squad. Uh, Federico Fernandez. Interesting to see Fernandez there. Do you reckon? Well, he, he, he was. He was already. He was in the squad. He wasn't yeah. used. He didn't yeah. play, but he was. Oh, he was. Oh, but yeah. do you think now that um, kind of Sabella's already said he plans to to play kind of two teams? Do you think? He's got a good chance of playing at least against Bolivia. Probably, yeah. yeah. We, should, we know he's a favourite of Sabellas from his days in uh, Estudiantes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely, yeah. And he's, I've always rated him as a defender, I must say. Like, mm. I think he could be. I don't know how he's done in Napoli, but... Oh, we should mention that, um, just to make it clear, that Sabella, I think, has hinted that he'll play almost a second team for the first game against Bolivia. I think there'll be a lot of uh, domestically-based players in... Hmm. Yeah, um, and, then, and then play the, the best team against Colombia so that... You know, there's no fatigue issues, which like like similar to what happened against Venezuela. It'll be interesting to see whether someone like Messi, for example, will play in both or just the second game. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are any of you guys thinking of going to it? I'm, I'm considering going for it. If uh, Gold could send me to Barranquilla, I'd be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I meant <laughs> <laughs> Road trip. Road trip off to Barranquilla. <laughs> 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 the road trip. The He's a motorcycle. The motorcycle diaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, one of the the very few comments that we managed to see on Twitter before we started recording about this was that Sabella does seem to be going for the same defence. The first choice we've just mentioned Fernandez and whether he'll play against Bolivia. So I think we're all probably in agreement that Demi Chelis and or yeah. Bundiso are both likely to be. Oh, there's no the right? first choice. Uh, oh, he's not there, right. is he? No, you're right. right. So that's. that's right. Uh, so maybe Fernandez might get a, a second go, but or he might switch to our back four, maybe. Yeah, yeah with no, Monson and Sabaleta, Rojo still in there. No, I'm um, I'm surprised by the inclusion of Germán Denis, even though he's been doing well. He scored yeah. against Inter this week, and also there were rumours about Gabriel Heinze making a return yeah. and, and Sabela calling him up. But he didn't, so... Uh, so presumably you're pleased about that, so... Yeah, I won't share it here. Mm. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, no, I'm sure we, we all give Argentina a fairly good chance of beating Bolivia at home. Mm. Albeit they failed last time and the previous time before uh, during the Copa America, that was. Mm. And uh, the time before that they played Bolivia was regrettable <laughs> from an Argentine point of view. I think so. the match we're all looking forward to is uh, Colombia-Argentina, which could be a fantastic match, and obviously... Yeah. If things go well, we'll finally get to see um, Gio and Leo on the same on the yeah. same pitch. Gio versus Leo, yeah. yeah. Which you know, I think we're all praying the to see in the Copa America. Yeah. But 
Hugo Barrientos robbed us of that chance. So. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to Theo versus Mitchell, Ooh. in my opinion, <laughs> <laughs> particularly. Yeah. No, from an Argentine point of view, I, no. that, I can't blame yeah. you. We so, have yeah. had um, one question regarding the Argentina's, uh, well, part of Argentina's backline, of course, Australian Dan, you, you got a question about the goalkeepers. Yeah, I'm sorry. Not I exactly in the national team, but I think it's. Well, out. basically, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was from. It was, from, it was a few days ago, but it was one of the people we talked to regularly. Um, but basically asking, I mean, behind Romero, I think it's pretty stable as, as the number one choice at the moment. But behind him and Andujar, who's coming through? Is it looking sort of like a, a bit of a crisis of lack of goalkeepers or are there young guys coming through? I, think? I don't think it's a crisis. I think Argentina or Renault got some very good keepers coming really? through. Yeah. We saw a really good performance from Marquesin. From Marquesin last yeah, night, yeah. And also uh, the under-20s keeper, uh, Andrade. It's been kind of linked with Barcelona. Another Lanusia. I think uh, Andrade, from what I've seen, he's, he's one of these guys with good reflexes and stuff, yeah. but he, he does mess up a fair bit. Yeah. He, he makes he's, some silly He's, he's very young, yeah. so he'd be a guy more in two or three or four years, I think. Um, I know one player who's, um, I've seen some very good parts of, and I, he's not in the first team at the moment, but and it's almost sacrilege for me to say this, but um, Gabarini in Independiente, mm. a very good young keeper, I think he's somehow managed to fall to third choice now, which shows how good Independiente's first two keepers are, uh, Asman and Ilario. He's, he's been doing it for a couple of seasons, though, because I remember it, it was a real surprise to some people that he didn't make the, the 2010 World Cup squad. Uh, yeah, talking he's kind of coming in and out of the team. I think he's had a couple of injuries along the line, a couple yeah. of kind of blips in form, as young keepers tend to do. But I think, yeah, it's, he's only going to get better, and we could hear a lot more from him. For me personally, I, I would rate Marchesin as, as maybe third or third or fourth in line. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, and on, on form, uh, regardless of the age uh, issue, uh, I think Marcelo Barovero from Vélez has been excellent mm. the last couple of seasons, and Sebastián Saja of Racing uh, as well. Experienced, 32 years old, but on the best form of his life, probably. And he can take penalties, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, shame Racing are never given penalties. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And then there's this guy playing for Arsenal youth teams. The, the, ah, Damian the Martinez. No, not yeah. the Arsenal. Yeah. England Damian Arsenal. Martinez. He's an up-and-coming talent, too, and someone to keep an eye yeah, on and definitely. see if he improves uh, over there. Yeah. yeah, having mentioned Arsenal... Uh, English Arsenal. Oh, Arsenal. Uh, passing. Yes, <laughs> and also in passing. Having mentioned Arsenal, this R and D uh, reminded me that we have had one question about them uh, from Sked Twenty One on Twitter, Joel Sked, who's a, a blogger on Chilean football, and he's asking what threat Arsenal, this R and D, pose to Universidad Católica in the Copa Sudamericana next week. Um, they do seem to be taking the Sudamericana more seriously whether it's yeah. they're more amped up or whether it's the size they're playing in the Sudamericana. Kind of it's just a case that they've you know. They're not going to win the league, and it was the best chance of qualifying for the Copa Libertadores, which they have now, mm-hmm. as we said. And no, with Arsenal, look, they're a funny old club, really. Like <laughs> funny <laughs> were, new club, funny new, yeah, funny new club. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, they were. You know, I'm sure we've talked about before, formed by Grandona, and they don't have the kind of base, uh, neighbourhood base of fans as other, as other kind of more established teams do. But football-wise, they've got some very good players. Like one to watch out for definitely is uh, Lisandro Lopez mm-hmm. the defender who's fantastic prospect I think maybe 21 22 years old very solid defender and he also scores 
scores lots of goals for a defender. And the other one to watch out for is um, a guy they've got up front, Mauro Obolo. Mm. He's a very kind of powerful, quick striker who definitely scores goals. Yeah, yeah. the front three or four is, is a really good thing. Yeah, yeah. They're not bad. Pablo Capa as well in midfield is very good uh, mm. set piece taker. Yeah, and that's about yeah. all I can really No, well, but uh, now that you have um, said all your nonsense, seriously, <laughs> seriously speaking, what thread, the, the question reads: What threat do Arsenal decide <laughs> pose to Lau? All right, so there, there's this saying about the, the fans being the twelfth man. Yeah. Well, in yeah. this case, it's the referee. Yeah. So it definitely helps me outside Argentina. Yeah. No, but Ronaldo's no. a condom on last person. Wait, FIFA. You said it's FIFA. But uh, ask Olympia fans. Ask Paraguay Ralph. He saw the he saw the game, and well, basically uh, he got a the Arsenal got a big hand from referee. Yeah. We helped. Very upside Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not, well, obviously. Yeah. Uh, this is the truth. What I'm Wait, saying. Did you say they're playing Católica because Lau is a representante de Chile? I didn't say Católica. I said Católica. Yeah, and and as Seba says, uh, the wording of the question was not that. That was me putting words in Joel's mouth. So I apologise, Joel. Hmm. Thank you for the castigation. <laughs> no, well, obviously I I follow uh, Universidad de Chile and the demolition of Flamengo. I mean, very good team. If they very play anything team. like that, yeah. I don't think they should have any problem beating Arsenal no sure the other question that, that I had at least before recording well actually it was sent to all of us but I'm the only one who's been able to check my Twitter in the meantime um, was from Eric Howell and I, I wanted to mention it just so that we can acknowledge that we did get it uh, it would seem rude not to but we can't I'm afraid I don't think any of us answer the question it was why didn't the Strack attack uh, Denis Strack will obviously score that sitter um, well, and the facetious answer would be because it didn't go in the net <laughs> I, I, I have picked up from uh, from Twitter last night that, that he missed an amazing chance against Chelsea but we don't tend to pay much attention to the League Cup it is televised that, that game was on TV actually yesterday but we weren't watching it because there was first division football on and we were going to a game well, yeah, yeah. so we can't tell you I'm afraid no, yeah, Eric, sorry. Eric uh, hello <laughs> we know each other uh, no we, I haven't seen the game and, and I don't know but for a striker we all know it's crucial to yeah, to yeah. have so to play very much, exactly no. to yeah. play every yeah. every now and then or at least a couple of uh, of games in a row and I don't know I I can I can comment on the on the play itself because I haven't seen yeah. it but just as a general thought it comes with confidence probably because he was playing every every week for Tigre here and he was finding the back of the net he's an impressive, impressive goal scorer and we all hope he does better for, for Everton in the future. No, I get the feeling um, <coughs> Moyes doesn't have a lot of confidence in him. I don't think he was a player he really wanted. So I think we were all expecting him to play a bit more for Everton as well because they don't have, as I think I remember saying on hand pop when he first signed, they don't have a hell of a lot of strikers there. No, so we all assumed that he'd get a bit more playing time than he has done so far. Yeah, I mean, I think he would do alright if he did get a bit of playing time. But. Yeah, absolutely. We've recorded for around an hour and a quarter, I think, maybe slightly less. Unless anybody can think of anything else to say that we, that we needed to talk about and have missed. Of course. How on earth can I forgotten? Sit down. Dan's waving his folded up piece of paper at me which means it's time to, to play his, his theme music and then come back and he's going to tell us what's going to happen this weekend we'll see whether he's predicted any away matches this week
quite a few away matches this week, actually. Um, so we've got Argentinos, Vélez, I've, I've gone for Vélez away. Newell's Olimpo, I've gone for a draw. Um, Independiente, Arsenal, draw. I've gone for Lanús to beat Jorge Cruz. Uh, San Lorenzo, always draw. Boca to beat Rafaela. Belgrano to draw with Colón. Union uh, to lose at home to Tigre. Racing to beat Estudiantes away, and Banfield to beat San Martín de San Juan away. That San Lorenzo All Boys game, of course, is postponed. <coughs> as we discovered about five minutes. Before. He knows. He knows. So it's definitely, uh, it's it definitely will be a draw by the weekend. Obviously. Exactly. <laughs> I think you're very brave again to uh, predict a Racing victory. I think the safe bet would have been a draw. <laughs> <laughs> I only hope you're right. With Boca beating Rafaela, uh, you've got Vélez and Racing both winning. Thanks. Uh, same time. Well, yeah, Rafael, 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 but four out of ten is a fairly good yeah, line out. About average, yeah. I'm having to predict them myself. I actually have no idea what I've been getting this year. I haven't counting them up. No, no, nor have I. Uh, but we we will have our normal league table at the end of the season to yeah. compare the final standings with with what you have. Great, I'm looking forward to that. Um, any other really tasty? Obviously, Boca Rafael is firstly second. That's the big one. But any other really big fixtures, guys? I think Estudiantes Racing is always a massive fixture. Mm-hmm. Two of the biggest teams in the league. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of morbo, as they say in Spain, yeah. with Russo playing yeah. against his, uh, his yeah. old team. He's not going to get uh, Simeone against his old team, of course. Simeone against his old team, too, and yeah. a number of Estudiantes players yeah. who were from Racing Youth. Mario Gonzalez, Fernandez, The one I'm looking forward to from the neutral point of view is definitely Lanzvigoloi Cruz. Um, you're talking about a side who admittedly Lanús haven't always been as consistent as, as last season but they can be tremendously entertaining to watch when, when, when they click um, and Godoy Cruz <laughs> if you want goals and this isn't just from this season it's, it's been the, the same over the last yeah. sort of two seasons running now um, Godoy Cruz in 12 matches so far have scored 20 and conceded 16 including a 2 or draw last night which I don't think we mentioned in the Clásico uh, in the Clásico which we completely forgot to mention last week. Um, and this week. Yeah, and this <laughs> week as well. Uh, so well done to <laughs> And also these two, Lanús and Godoy Cruz, they are dead, dead, almost yeah, qualified for the next Copa Libertadores. Yeah, a couple so more wins in the league. It's an early chance for... for I think Lanús are in, to be honest. Um, Godoy Cruz yeah. still need a couple more wins to fight off uh, Racing and Independiente, who are I think just behind, but they should be, yeah, they should yeah. be pretty comfortable. If you're a neutral and you want to see a potentially really open game, especially without Cameron Essie on the pitch, I'd be interested to see who Lanús yeah. picked. Uh, Saying that now, it's going to be a no no draw. Yeah, it probably, yeah. I mean, that, that's inevitable. Um, but yeah, it, essentially, if you want to see goals, always watch Godoy Cruz. Uh, it's interesting. <laughs> or Atletico Rafaela. Godoy Cruz and Lanús, they have this, exactly the same record four wins, five yeah. draws, three losses, yeah, three defeats. And Tigre Union. They have the same record and they face each other again mm. uh, as well. So oh, I didn't realize that. You're yeah. Right, yeah. So th- all of those four teams they play each other or well, uh, <laughs> play against one. So of that's going to be two draws. <laughs> Probably to two keep draws. The or, yeah. 
Lovely. Okay, well, we'll uh, love you all and leave you now, listeners. Um, it's It's been emotional again. We hope you have a, a good few days. We'll probably record on Tuesday next week. The late recording this week, of course, has been because of this midweek round of matches. Um, so enjoy your weekends, and we'll, we'll talk to you, or we'll talk at you very soon. It's bye from, from me. Goodbye from Seba. Hasta luego, gracias. Goodbye from Australian Dan. Ciao, Panchos. And goodbye from English Dan. See you later.